Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody out there, and welcome once again to our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters, nine volumes available at Amazon in paperback and ebook, and volumes one through eight at Audible. For you audio buffs, Audible iTunes and Amazon as well. So please go out and buy yourself a copy or two and help us out here. And may I introduce you, without any further ado, to my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you today? I'm doing great. How about you, Bill? Okay, okay. Chugging along here. I was in uh, Manhattan today at a busy day. Folks, keep praying for my wife, Paula. And uh, came out, I thought I was going to beat the traffic, and I ended up in bumper-to-bumper traffic. (laughs) (laughs) You can't beat the traffic in New York City. (laughs) So once in a while, once in a while. New York City, you might be able to, like Washington, D.C., it doesn't matter what time of day it is. Forget it. (laughs) You just forget, forget any hopes you have of beating the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I cruised down Second Avenue uh, for Manhattan. It was light, you know. I mean, yeah, there's a traffic light every block. So, right. But the, the amount of volume on the street was light, and I went through the Midtown Tunnel. Came out on the other side. I was cruising along. I was like, man, this is freaking great. This is empty. And like a mile and a half into it, eh, that was it. Yeah, well, that's the same place where it jams up on the way in, too, right? You know, Lair Island exit 20 or whatever it is. Yep. On the beautiful, beloved Long Island distress way. Uh, for those of you out there who have never experienced it. Of course, it is one of the most congested areas in the world. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. Again, we try to have hopes that the traffic won't be that bad when you're going into those places, but, you know, hope, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people, a lot of peeps. Now, me down here in North Carolina, Bill, we complain about the traffic, but that means like we hit a red light. (laughs) Yeah, the traffic's heavy today. <laughs> Did I you see that? Can't. I had two red lights in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Damn that traffic It's all jam. relative. It's all relative. Oh, so, bro, I'm ready to 
gas up the truck and uh, go into our cryptids in the news and other oddities. Yeah, sake. man, let's go. We're going back in time a little bit today. You never know where we're going to go. And tonight mm-hmm. we're going back in time and we're going to talk about a creature known as the Blue Man of Spring Creek. No way. The Blue yeah. Man of Spring Creek? Not to be confused with the Blue Man Group from <laughs> Las Vegas. <laughs> Unbelievable. How yeah. far back are we going? Well, Blue Man, uh, ha- there have been sightings in the last 20 years or so, but the original sightings go all the way back into the 1800s. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's start out and we'll talk a little bit about where the heck is Spring Creek? So Spring Creek is in Spring Creek, Missouri, okay. um, and it's in a it's in a county called Douglas County, Missouri. Okay. Now, which and is it? Is it Missouri or Missouri? Missouri. <laughs> when you're talking about the Blue Man of Spring Creek or the Ozark Howler, it's Missouri. <laughs> All right, so we're in Missouri. <laughs> and this county <laughs> is south of Springfield, and it's okay. right down near the border of Missouri and Arkansas. Okay. So on the southern end of Missouri. And, you know, so basically this place is rich in cryptids. Everything from Momo to the Falk, Mo- Falk Monster and a few others as well that we've covered on this podcast and a few that we haven't covered yet. Like the Blue Man of Spring Creek. It's amazing how certain areas, like the uh, Skinwalker Ranch, you know, attract uh, uh, activity. I I don't know what that is. I really don't know what that is or why the attraction, but here we go again. Skinwalker Ranch coming back for a new season here. Yeah, I was was listening to the crew. Uh, getting interviewed on Coast to Coast by George Knapp. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, you may want to look that up. I'm, uh, I have a subscription uh, to the archives and everything else, and uh, I, I regularly tune in old and new shows, and Knapp did a nice interview with the cast live from the ranch. First time really? it was ever done. Yeah. Wow. And he was questioning them all about, you know, what can we expect for season three? And uh, uh, these dudes are locked and loaded over there, and it's creepy as ever. Yeah, and well, I, I know uh, on a related note, you've been watching a new Bigfoot series, uh, Bigfoot season. Uh, and, man, uh, that thing is action-packed, huh? I mean, like, every show just starts out, like, boom, right in the thick of it with something. Yeah, and you've seen the latest, right? Yes. So they found that bone pile yes. up on, on the high western side of that lake they were at last year. Yeah, and like complete with like fresh deer legs. Yeah, with, with the fur still, still, still on them. On them. Uh, a couple of caved-in skulls that you could see in a quick camera shot were like bashed in on the top. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, this is uh, you know, this is not normal behavior for uh, and uh, Mariah uh Mayer uh the uh the doctor of the group yeah. said, you know, this is not normal animal behavior. They're bringing the stuff all back to the same spot and different animals and multiple animals. Yeah. 
So yeah. that uh, hold on tight, folks. Hold so let's get tight. back to our, our yeah. Blues. So let's get back. So uh, we're going to talk about an article that was printed in a newspaper called the Springfield Leader in November of 1924. So almost a okay. hundred years ago. And in that article in 1924, they talk about the creature and the documentation of the creature going back to 1865 when a hunter named Saul Collins was hunting between the Big North Fork and Spring Creek. He was tracking game and saw tracks that he thought were from a bear. After following the tracks for hours and while climbing a mountain, he barely had time to leap behind a tree as a boulder came rolling down the mountain directly in his path. And then right after that, a second boulder followed the first and a third boulder crashed into the tree with such force that the boulder actually shattered. Yeah, is that crazy or what? Yeah, well, you know. It takes a little bit of anything you can think of to push a boulder. Well, yeah, and bears generally aren't known for throwing and pushing boulders. <laughs> Multiple boulders. One like, after the other after yeah, the other. Yeah, moving down a line and just pushing them, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Wow. And so when he peered around the tree, he saw on the hillside a gigantic figure shaped like an immense man. Stark naked, except for the skin of some animal around his waist and other wrappings of skin around its feet. The creature was covered from head to foot with a tightly curling coat of short black hair, which the sun struck upon. And when the when the sun struck upon it, it took up a shade of blue, like a dark blue hue. The fur? Yeah, yeah, makes sense, right? Like sometimes uh, my Labrador Retriever looks a little blue when it's uh, shining in the sun. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's an unusual thing. You know, I'm thinking like, of course, like you said, the the blue guys, the blue band, whatever they are, where they're dipped in Oh, yeah, blue man group where they're throwing paint on one another. That's different. Right, this has nothing to do with that. Maybe there was like a blue flip to it, like auburn or maroon when they say yeah, that. Yeah, I know? don't know. But they, they, you know, they, this guy, you know, originally was describing it as kind of this blue sheen to it. And okay. Collins, he claimed that the giant was not less than nine feet tall. Wow. And then this giant creature threw another rock that also shattered against a tree, and he made the hills echo with an ear-splitting scream more terrifying than ever came from any wild beast that roams the woods. How, how Did it say how far away this thing was from him when he saw it? No, he doesn't, doesn't talk about it. Now, this is an old article, too, right? Yeah, so just getting back to the... Uh expedition bigfoot that one fellow on there was chatting they were talking about how there was no fur in, at this kill site yeah and the one guy said that there's been rumors now i've never heard this he's saying this uh of some bigfoot being seen with animal hides on them yeah i've never heard that before from anybody i haven't either we haven't seen that in our accounts right but a little weird uh, I'm trying, my mind is drawn to this 
uh, blue creature, nine foot tall, with some type of bodily hair on it, and what appeared to be a covering of some animal hides. Yeah, a little bit of animal hides. Now it says around its waist and on its feet, almost mm-hmm. like shoes, right? Mm-hmm. But that could very be anything. Sh- you know, maybe it had sore feet. Yeah, very strange. The, the I clothing mean, around really- its waist doesn't really make sense, though, compared to other stuff. So if you say something was nine feet tall, unless you had gone back to where you saw it and took a measurement of a branch or something like that that it stood under, uh, it would have to be fairly close to make that presumption, I would oh, think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think to see that it had some type of fur wrapped around its feet, too, you got to be yeah. pretty close. I'm saying within 100 yards. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. especially the fact that you're in the woods. Yeah. So probably even yeah, closer it, than that. Yeah, you'd have to have a good look at it, you know, a decent a decent look to see that kind of detail, I would think. Right. Wow. So Colin sees this beast and then hears this like blood curdling scream. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's written in the article that that was enough for Collins, who took to his heels and fled for his life. So wow. that Collins is a smart man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it says Immediate. that for s- several days, <laughs> Collins and his neighbors tracked the blue man, and many caught glimpses of him, but he was never caught. Wow. It was believed that the blue man was responsible for the disappearance of many sheep and pigs uh, from the various owners around the area, and after a week or two of terror, the creature disappeared. Well, maybe when this creature knew that people were on its tail, it had some kind of intelligence to move out of the area. I I don't know. It's a weird, it's definitely an oddity. Yeah, it's very weird. And then they go on to say, for 16 years, there were only sporadic sightings of the blue man along the Big Fork. And then he disappeared completely between 1890 and 1911. And then suddenly he was back and more men than ever tried to hunt him down. They thought they had found his den in a remote valley, but the man had disappeared as before. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. You know, so where do these things, oh, where do ahead. they come from? Where do they come from? Yeah. I... Uh, you know, and this, where did this article come out of? Do we know? Yeah, it came out of uh, the Springfield Leader in November of 1924. Wow. See, and I always wonder in my mind, you know, Kev, when I think back of those days and times, I don't really think of comedy in the paper. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong. I wasn't there, right? Right. But I I think of kind of straight-laced folks... Printing it as they see it. I, I don't think it really yeah, a lot I mean, of I don't know the answer to that. I'm sure they had some satire and stuff like that, but I don't yeah. think they were writing about this to be funny. Yeah, it I doesn't mean, sound like it to hunting, me. Hunting this creature. Yeah. I mean, that's not funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, I'm with you on that. I'm with yeah. you on that. And this, you know, the the, the uh, sourcing of this article, this old article, this all comes from, I got to give credit to uh, library.org and the Springfield 
Green County Library District in Springfield, Missouri. That's where mm-hmm. uh, much of this information is located. Okay. Pretty cool stuff. Man. So All another right. Missouri, Missouri creature uh, that looks a lot like the hairy man, only with some clothing on. Yeah, I can't get away from the notion that was any kind of fur visible. Now, look, unless the thing was on top of you, you really couldn't tell if the fur was two inches long or five inches long. Agree. Uh, and depending how long you were looking at it, those kind of details, you know, we talk about this, how you're kind of in shock. You could you could say with you want what you want uh, about a sighting, but I can guarantee you, your head is not exactly screwed on straight in the moment. Uh, there's a lot of strange things going on in your mind and through your eyes in that moment in time when something happens like this. For sure. And I am totally certain that this guy even reporting what he saw really could be a little askew as to exact uh, exactly what he was looking at, you know, or, or what was happening. Sure, but no matter what, it wasn't a bear. <laughs> yeah, we know that. <laughs> we can we guarantee that. that it wasn't a bear. Oh, my God. I'm so sick of hearing about the bear, the bear, the bear. Oh, wow. Well, that was pretty interesting, Kevin. Another one uh, in that area, man. Yeah, down in the Ozarks. You know, if it's not the Ozark, Howler, Momo, the Falk Monster. I mean, boy, there's a handful of them down there. Yeah, the Ozark Devil. Yeah. Uh, They just keep naming them the Blue Man. (laughs) Uh, You know, really, folks, you know, we have a healthy listening audience if you, if you have any information uh, firsthand, relatively modern day, you live there or you have lived there in that region, I would really like you to contact us at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com and reach out to us. Uh, you know, Kev, uh, we say it all the time, but there's a lot of people sitting on information out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and, if you see something, say something, or if you heard about something and one of your family members told you, tell us right. about it. Again, we'll keep it anonymous. Right. And there's no shame, guys. If you're just sharing a story, you don't have any photographs, uh you know, if you believe the person who told you, maybe a family member, something that was reliable, trustworthy individual, share. Share with us what you've well, seen. That's true, Bill. That's an important point. Trustworthy. You know, don't don't tell us the stories that your crazy Uncle Eddie told you about when he sees, like, ghosts in his Cheerio bowl every morning. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You can't see ghosts in your Cheerios? Not every morning. Only on Fridays. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty cool, Kev. You know, another strange tale. Yeah, I like it, too, with the old documentation. And it's another boulder-hurling creature. And again, not one, not two, three and four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very compelling. I'm not, you know, look, what do I know about this story? Nothing other than what you just said. 
Right. Uh, I'm not convinced it wasn't a Bigfoot of some kind. Oh, no, I'm, I'm on that same page. You know, with the strength, the height, fur. Uh, you know, uh, we'll get into it one of these days, but that photograph from the Dyatlov Pass... Uh, footage and people are going to kick that back and forth. I think that was a Bigfoot day photograph. I don't believe it was a, a a Yeti. I mean, I think it was a Yeti. I don't believe it was a member of the group or anything else. Right. Uh, that thing was appeared to be very tall and more lanky, and it didn't seem to have like overly long hair on it. It was hair covered. Yeah, it was hard the, to tell in that photo, and uh, yeah. even the height, Bill. There was no no real reference, right? No, I just got the feel for you it got, looking yeah, okay. at it. Okay. I got a feel for it that this was not like a basketball player kind of height, lanky, tawny, kind of strong. That that kind of thing, you know. Okay. Yeah. Just a hunch. Yeah. Just an a hunch looking at it. Uh wow. Okay. So we ready to move on? We are. Do you have an exciting account for us this week? Well, I have another strange one here. They're all pretty strange. Uh, and I would I would ask the listeners to confirm with me the fish for the fish variety uh, in the area that I'm going to discuss with you. Uh, it's not that I personally have any doubt, uh, but I want locals in this area to confirm with me that this variety of fish. Uh, mentioned in here does in fact travel through or live in this area. So how's that, Kev? <clears throat> so, Sounds like a plan. <clears throat> as I begin to share this uh, tale with you, it seems to me that the more accounts I received, there's somewhat of a pattern developing to some extent. And the reason that I say this is that more than a few old timers are coming forward in a way that says to me they have or want to get something off their chest. And this is just another example of such an individual by the name of Reynolds Dreyfus, a longtime resident of the state of West Virginia. As for those of you who may be new to our podcast or my writings, uh, well, let me just pass over that because it's inconsequential. I was making a comment about the book uh, having two accounts from West Virginia back to back. So we'll just pass on that. But back in the late 40s, uh, Reynolds says he was living in the area of the Coal River near to a place called Lower Falls. At that time, one of my favorite pastimes was muskie fishing. So it's a muskie I'm asking you to confirm with me. With three of my favorite locations being Middle Island Creek, Hughes River, and the Little Kanawha. There were some muskies running through here in the 30 and 40 pound class. And besides casting a jointed plug for them, I had a certain technique that used to be very effective in getting them. Before I continue with my story, Bill, I will attempt to describe to you and your listeners what I used to do. 
My technique was to first, first catch some sunfish, suckers, or chubs to use as bait. I would then hook them lightly through the back and hang them from drop lines on some of the bushes along the shore. I used a big slip knot on the dropper so that the fish would be held slapping the water's surface, with only the largest of the fish being able to pull the slip knot free. Other technique the other technique which I used was to trail a live sunfish or sucker behind my lure with no weight. So he had a couple of rigs he used to experiment here uh, with here. At any rate, on this day, I had portaged my canoe into the Little Kanawa River. And I was working the area just below, just below what was known as the falls at Bulltown. I had caught more than a few sunfish and had begun tying them to a number of bushes around an area of about one acre of water. My plan was always, after having secured the baits, to paddle out of the area and remain still along the bank in a position where I could see any and all activity in regards to the baits being taken. For the sake of your listeners who don't fish, a fish slapping around on the surface may be the best attractant known to man for getting a predator's attention. Well, it's true enough. I know that to be true, too. And on more than one occasion, my baits had even caught the attention of coons and fox on the shore. One day, a black bear with cubs was actually peering out of the bushes, looking at the commotion in the water. Now, this musky fishing, and as a matter of fact, any fishing, is subject to the fish being in the area or coming in the area while you're there. The technique was proven, and all I had to do now was to sit and wait. I was in the canoe, hugging the shore about 100 feet from my nearest bait, and some 200 feet from the farthest. I had eight baits in the water, and they were making quite a commotion. So shocked, oh, excuse me, uh, okay, uh, I had been holding my position for almost an hour, and the activity level of the hooked fish was waning as they now tired out, and in some cases, they seemed to be dying, when suddenly there was a huge splash, and the slipknot dropped, and one of the baits furthest away from me. Uh, was taken. I was looking at the activity with a great intent and grabbing my paddle when suddenly a large hairy arm followed by the upper body of a huge beast leaned out of the brush, grabbing the branch and the line that was now attached to this fish. So shocked was I but what I, by what I was now seeing that I froze on the seat in my boat, hoping to God that this monster would not see me. This creature, which I now know was a Bigfoot, tore the entire branch from the bush, including the line, and pulled the fish out of the river and back into the woods. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. 
by the way, this technique, this technique that I was using was well known and used by many other individuals along the rivers. It seemed to me in the moment that the beast not only had been watching me, but perhaps many others. I say this because it had obviously been hiding within the bushes and was as well familiar with the line being attached to it. To my way of thinking, the Bigfoot had actually allowed me to catch the fish for it. When I saw the creature, it had bent full forward from its waist, reaching out over the riverbank to grab the branch. From my angle, what I was seeing of its body, which was from the upper thigh to the head, had to have been all of six feet. So he's talking, what did he just say now? From the upper thigh to the head was six feet. When it extended its arm and hand, the arm was enormous, with the forearm being maybe eight or nine inches thick, and the upper arms perhaps 16 inches or better. Its entire body was covered in long, dark brown hair, with the palms of its hands and face being somewhat blackened. I understand me, please. In these parts and in those times, there had been many folktales and stories of such beasts and others, which had been passed down and kicked around forever. But never had I nor any of my cronies ever seen such a monster with our own two eyes. And believe me when I tell you, that me and some of the good old boys spent quite a bit of time in the deepest and darkest recesses of this region, both hunting and fishing. I had always said to myself, if there was any truth to these stories, then we would have seen them. And now I had. What do you think of that, Kevin? That's pretty wild. So this guy's fishing for muskie with his rig from a little boat in a river there in West Virginia. And, <clears throat> you know, snags, it sounds like it's like a multi-hook, long line of sorts for the river. And uh, towards the end of it, he's got a muskie on and a Bigfoot reaches out from the shore of the river out of the bushes and grabs onto the line and the fish, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty wild. Really and uh, not that really a bear. I'm not saying this was a bear. He obviously saw what he saw. But a bear could do the same thing, right? Absolutely. If it got inquisitive, yeah. it, it would take advantage of that, right? 100%. So it's, it's not unrealistic. Your fish that, is their fish in the bear world. Yeah. Right. Once they find it, thank you very much. I'll enjoy the lunch. Yeah, thanks for catching it for me. I'll take this one. Yeah, so this creature to me is another animal, probably smarter than a bear. Yeah. Uh, but really taking advantage of free lunch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I got it. What are you going to do about it? I don't, they're not, I don't think they're even considering for a second what anybody's going to do, do about it. I don't think they care at all. Yeah, and that was a relatively uh, old-time event, right? 1940s? Um, That's what it sounded like? Yeah, well, I don't know if we got into the time on it. I thought he said from the late 1940s he was fishing down there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'd have to read back. And pardon me for breaking up the story a little bit, 
but sometimes if my eye gets sidetracked off the paper for a split second, uh, you're kind of like, uh, <laughs> try, trying to find where the last line that you read was, you know, and that's what happened there. But It's all, go, it's all uh, good. Yeah, very interesting, though. You know, the detail about the area, obviously there's a lot of people listening to this. If you recognize those bodies of water, uh, uh, give us a shout. You know, let us know what you know about the area or even the technique this guy was using. Uh, he's obviously live lining some fish, hanging them from branches on the bush. Uh, it sounded similar to me the way the uh, alligator hunters down in the bayou like string uh, chicken and stuff up from a line to get the <laughs> alligator to come up and take it, you know? Yeah, I don't know. But, Alligators, yeah. that's crazy stuff, man. Yeah, not me, man. Yeah. I think he's dead. Let's bring him in the boat. <laughs> oh, wait a second. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> Absolutely nuts. But that's a great story, Kev. You know, it's another strange tale uh, from the Southland. Uh and buy another guy. I don't. Is it true? He says it's true. You know. Well, in West Virginia is definitely another one of those hotbed places. Super rural too. Yeah, I. Uh, I don't doubt these guys. Wasn't West Virginia where we had the Sanger, the Gin Sanger, a while ago, where he was out hunting and saw what he believed was a mother? Big oh yeah, ginseng, ginseng. Ginseng, yeah. I got lost and, with Sang. I was like, who's a Sanger? <laughs> well, I think they, they I think they Maybe that's what they sang- call him, yeah. I'm, right. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a Sanger. Yeah, I, you know. Like that, you know. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dialect, you know. It's like my neighbor here, when we go fishing, he uses minners. 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 Yeah, actually. You know, minners are good bait. I think of minnows, but they're minners, which is okay with me <laughs> once I... Once I know what we're talking about, I'm fine with it. I actually like minners better than minnows. <laughs> oh, that is great stuff. It's all good. That's a great account, yeah. though, Bill. I like it. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, let's kick it around just for a minute because you know that show has my interest, Expedition Bigfoot. Oh, yeah. If you look at those pictures there of the forelegs of the deer, mm. uh, those suckers were just snapped off. Yeah, and for our listeners, these are fur covered with the hoof attached, just severed like above the knee, laying right. on the path, you know, I guess about 10 yards, 10 meters from the bone pile. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they're just sitting there, and these bones were kind of like... Relatively heaped up. I mean, they were in a oh, row. No, there were a lot of bones area. there, and some of these yeah. like femur-like bones. I don't know what they yeah. were from, but they were big. Yeah, they didn't make any and, mention of that on the show. But I was looking at those bones, saying like that ain't a deer. Right. Uh, one of them commented that it looked like some of them had been chewed on. Yeah, of course. And again, uh, that but, could be by. From the attack, or that could be like a porcupine or something coming through the forest, cleaning up, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, it was interesting. You remember I have two bone pile accounts. Yeah. Uh, the the one with the orthopedic surgeon that found that guy with his skull caved in to like mid skull. Uh, and then the other one was the guy who came across the bone pile and did that experiment by shooting a deer and leaving it in the woods uh, about a mile away from where the bone pile was. Uh, because he couldn't wrap his head around how many bones could still exist in one location uh, when he has a terrible time even finding a bone in yeah. the woods. Right. So he he downed that deer against his better judgment as a hunter just as a one-time experiment. And when he came back, I think it was like six months later or something, his deer was gone. I mean, nowhere to be found. And the bone pile was still there. Right. So what was it about the bone pile he found and what is it about the bone file the folks on Expedition ran across, that all of these bones are still there, not gnawed away, not disappearing uh, by the animals in the woods like the porcupines, the hare, and whatever else would take these bones that makes them go away. Right. I mean, there was a lot of bones there, and they were intact. No, it's a crazy number of bones. And then you had the whole, on the show, Bill, the whole cloaking thing. Yeah. Where they had that video of like, looked like something was cloaking itself, which, you know, I mean, again, I always talk about my philosophy as one that follows uh, Occam's razor, the principle of Occam's razor, where the most obvious solution is the solution. And what's the woman uh, professor's name on the show again? Professor uh, Mayor. Mayor. So, like, she seems to generally follow the same view that I do, right? She's yeah. like, well, I really don't want to talk about all the conspiracy stuff because then you can find yourself easily finding things that support your conspiracy theory before you ever prove that there was a conspiracy. So I kind of lean towards that. But when you see the video of this thing, boy, it sure does look like it has some cloaking capability. Uh, you know, and her name always slips me, Kev. You remember the famous woman uh, who initially brought, like, the silverback gorillas to the world? Yeah. Jane, uh, uh, Jane Goodall. What's her name? Jane Goodall. Jane Goodall. Thank you very much. Uh, of course, Maria Mayor. I think she's a doctor. Maybe she's a professor, but she's a doctor. Right. Uh, Dr. Maria Mayor interviewed her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you heard what she had to say, that is an eye-opening uh, account from a woman of great wisdom in her field. Yeah, talking about that. Uh, uh, this is Dr. Jane Goodall talking about the yeah. fact that she uh, ran into local people multiple times that talked of some, something like a, like a Bigfoot. Right. And she also said words to the effect of keep your mind open. Yeah. And don't, don't kind of like try to project into anything. Just take yeah. it for what it is. The, fa the facts will lead you where you want to go. Yeah. Uh, don't judge. Don't prejudge. Don't predetermine. Just go with what's before you. Keep your mind and your heart open to what's presented to you. That's uh, good advice. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. 100%. And... Uh, 
that is one bizarro place. <laughs> but they're on they're hot on the heels of something. There's something going on over there, brother, and we all know it. Yeah. Uh, well, this season especially, they really they hit the ground running every episode. So we'll see. Hopefully, yeah. uh, hopefully we get something out of it. Yeah, and I know possibly some drama added. I don't know. I I kind of think it's it's kind of creepy and spooky enough in and of itself to kind of get your motor running. I don't think you really need to uh, put any chili pepper on this burger. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I'm surprised with the show, Bill, is that they're not seeing bear and mountain lion you know, on these thermal thermal imaging because they got to be around there. You know, like that's well, wild. yeah, but. Uh, Russell Acor in that one uh, episode, uh, I think it was last year, he was going into that brushy area and he thought he saw something and it was a bear. No, no, that's what I mean. Last year, they had not as many, not as much activity in this short amount of time, but they did see mm-hmm. deer. Remember, there were mm-hmm. a couple of deer in the distance kind of mm-hmm. next mm-hmm. to one another. They saw a bear. And this year, they have all this activity, but... No sightings, even on the yeah. uh, on the thermal thermal yeah. camera, which is yeah, wild, well, I think. And yeah, then they're always running out of batteries. I mean, come on, people, get some more batteries. Yeah, that struck me as a little odd. Um, and it always seems to me like they're hiking around in the woods, kind of endlessly. But uh, when the fearless leader wants to get in touch with them or make a drop. Yeah, they got everything. Uh, yeah, yeah, they kind of meet up with them, but we don't know the time frame, right, Kev? They kind of skip and slice. No, they cut. The they cut to it. You know, it's a director's yeah. choice, so to speak. Yeah, right? we don't know if it took them uh, a day and a half to walk over yeah, where they had their meeting. One hundred percent. Or, you know, so. But I'm telling you, man, I find it very compelling and very interesting. Oh uh, yeah, it's all yeah. good. Cool, man. Right. Well, we got some great listener mail, too, this week, Bill. I'm sure you want to hear that. Absolutely. Let's let's get at it. All right. Our first email came in from Natalie in Arizona, the great copper state of Arizona. I used to live there, Natalie. You may know that. You may not know that. One of the many <laughs> states that I lived in. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> But Natalie writes, Dear WJ and KJ, our whole family enjoys the podcast every week. Thanks for getting us interested in other cryptids other than the hairy man himself. We are relatively new to your podcast and binging like crazy. Hmm. Who is each of your favorite cryptids other than the hairy man himself, of course? Hmm. Well, what do you think, Bill? Well, uh, I am. I really like to get to the bottom of uh, the dogman mm. uh, phenomena. I I find that creature to be particularly creepy. And then, second to that, I would also like to say that. I find that the original accounts of the Chupacabra Mm. to be really creepy. And 
some of the other stuff I've heard about it since then, or a lot of us have seen, uh, I'm not kind of buying that that mates up with the original data out of Puerto Rico. Hmm. Uh, and that's a freaking weird thing, man, the goat sucker. <laughs> uh, and, and, of course, the dog, man, uh, that thing is, like, ultra nasty. Yeah, the, so, the, you know, we always talk about it, the demonic dog man, you know what I mean? Yeah, that is just, like, really riveting. Uh, yeah, I can't believe. Chup- chupacabra, I mean, maybe because I've been to Puerto Rico like 25 times, and it just doesn't seem to me like a place where a creature like that could exist. Like, you know, yeah, it has countryside and that, but it's so built up, but yet there are so many accounts yeah. from there that it's hard to ignore. But Yeah, um, and there's a lot of UFO activity coming well, out. that I don't have a problem with. Like, I believe yeah. that because it's an island, yeah. you know, out in, out in yeah. the ocean. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that many chupacabra, goat blood-sucking vampire-like creatures, you know. Well, if you say that many, uh, if there was a couple uh, going about their business and living in obscurity. Oh, I don't mean uh, how many creatures there are. I'm saying how many yeah. sightings. There's a lot of sightings. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. always know there's more than one in most cases, except for one of my favorite cryptids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now, you know, you could say the same thing about Bigfoot. A lot of them are no doubt legit. And there's probably a whole host of people who are jumping on the bandwagon, bandwagon just to stir the pot and throw some, uh, you know, what at the wall, uh, you know, and uh, that's not truthful. Oh, you mean hoaxers? Yeah, hoaxers. Oh, 100%. I know people that are just. I mean, that, that's actually, I think, like, we, we actually, we're going to get to this in one of the other letters that came in, but let's just go there generally right now, is that, you know, the main difference between, like, UAPs, what we used to call UFOs, and Bigfoot is I think there's less hoaxers in UAPs. Like, I think you may misunderstand what you see, legitimately misunderstand. You know, like the, the classic one I talk about is when I lived in Arizona. We're still talking about Natalie, right? When I right. lived in Arizona, the first time I was there, and I would see the lineup of the aircraft coming into Sky Harbor International Airport in Phoenix. Yep. Yep. I yep. never saw that before where you could see this string of lights with like 15 lights in a string going up in a curve in the sky. And I was yeah. like, what the heck is that? And that was 15 jets or 20 jets because the visibility was like 100 miles. Yeah, I was going to say, you could have been looking out at a light showing up from 100 miles away. No doubt about it. You were. And and yeah. the thing that confirmed that, you know, and I may have told that story on the on the podcast here, is, you know, my wife and I originally moved to Arizona from New York, and we really missed, like, thunderstorms. You know, when you live in the desert, you miss weird things. But, like, it never really rained, and you never had real thunder and lightning storms. And we just... Mm-hmm grew up with that. But at night, you would see these lightning storms that were spectacular in the distance. So we would jump in the car and drive to get to the lightning. But the lightning was, you know, 150 miles away. 
Yeah, you'd think you could get near to it. No, you know, we would drive for an hour and open up the doors of the car and get out, and you still couldn't hear anything. There was no thunder. <laughs> we were like, okay, forget that. Because, you know, you talk about things like we talk about seeing things yeah. on the ocean. We have to take into account the co- curvature of the Earth. I mean, lightning, you can right. see way further away. And, you know, jet airliners that are coming in at 30,000 feet with their lights on, you can see them much further away. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would be easily misidentified. Yeah. But so what course, do you say, Bill? What's your favorite? What are you going with? You could have more than one. You said dog man. Aside from Bigfoot, yeah. I'm saying uh, dog man. Dog man. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with, I, I, got, I tried to narrow it down here while we're talking. I, I like Rougarou. You know, full mm-hmm. disclosure, partially because of the name, the Rougarou. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm this, wondering, though, if the Rougarou is not dog, man. I know, I know, but it's got that whole shape-shifting yeah, component, yeah, yeah. you know, and but it is wolfman, dogman, whatever, you know, but I just love the Cajun French influence, came over from France, brought yeah. in by the Cajuns. And then, of course, you know, my favorite superhero of all time, next to Batman, Spring-Heeled Jack. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not really a cryptid. Well, he's a cryptid. I mean, you know, yeah, I what, think he's a superhero. A superhero. But he's reported as a cryptid. I think he's this marquee <laughs> day whatever from over there that was dressing up like a, a Spring Hill Jack and springing around town uh, just to cause trouble. But that's what just that my mean? theory. Kev, what was the term that that one listener gave to us about the oh. group of guys? Oh, the people that could, like, jump around. Oh, boy. Yeah, I They don't were know. like a troop of, like, Yeah, gymnasts. well, they do it now as, like, a YouTube thing where they jump around. Somebody write in, tell us what it is. I, I just can't yep. think of it sitting here. And then I know, is they, I know Natalie, yes, for one. But how can I leave out those poor, innocent, black-eyed children? Oh, Bill. They would be a favorite? Yes. Please let us uh, in. We just want to uh, use your telephone. Uh, I mean, honestly, uh, like yeah, I was yeah. trying to get my wife to get rid of the landline telephone to save money. And finally, I had to use the Black Eyed Children as an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you still have a telephone, they know you have a telephone. And they're going <laughs> to come up. And they're going to look into your ring doorbell camera and look directly at you. And ask you if they can borrow your telephone. Yeah. Would you mind? And how many times are we going to have to replace the front door after you put after you throw a whole bunch of lead through it? Uh, uh, <laughs> so I got yeah. Rougarou, black-eyed children. May I borrow your phone? And Spring-Heeled yeah. Jack, my favorite superhero. Wow. Well, all right. Well, so there you have it. There you go. And by the way, folks, if you have a favorite or you yeah, have Yeah, tell a, us your favorite and why. Yeah, yeah, and or if you have a cryptid you think we should check into. Oh, yeah, we love that. I mean, I get, I get half of my ideas from folks that write in, so yeah, keep, keep writing in. All right, Bill, yeah, our next up. letter, I like this one. This is a cool thought. Mm-hmm. This comes all the way from Japan, obviously from an American in Japan or, you know, a an Anglo in Japan by the name of Robert. He writes, hi, guys. Really great to continue to hear 
that the U.S. government is encouraging everyone and anyone to report any and all sightings of unidentified aerial phenomena, or UAPs, and not fear repercussions. Like you always say, WJ, if you see something, say something. Mm -hmm. And then Robert says, do you think this might carry over in an unrelated way to make it somehow more acceptable to report on hairy man sightings? Thanks, Robert. So I thought that's interesting, Bill, right? Like, you know, we always said like airline pilots and, of course, Air Force pilots, Navy pilots would see this stuff all the time, these UAPs, but they wouldn't report it because they didn't want to, you know, get fired or get passed up for a promotion, whatever it be. Um, And it's like now, like, the government's coming out and saying, no, no, we want to know because this could be our enemies, you know, with these drones and stuff like that. So you got to report everything and it's okay. And it's and it's kind of Robert saying, do you do you think this might carry over into uh, hairy man sightings? Yeah, yeah, very interesting. It's possible, but we're we're under the same umbrella of uh, a certain established entity thinking it's better we don't say anything, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I don't know, you know. I've, to- I've said this before, Kev. I really don't need the approval of anybody to talk about this stuff. Well, we talked because, about it, Bill. It yeah, all depends yeah. on where the person is in their lifetime journey. Yeah. But you yeah. certainly could understand if you were a 27-year-old airline pilot, you know, do you really want to, like, be testifying in front of Congress about the UFO that you saw with the green man with big eyes looking out the window at you? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. You know, no. whether it's right or wrong, we could debate, but you're you're not going to be working for that airline. Yeah. So. You remember the early, uh, uh, what was it, Twilight Zone? Uh, with Bill Shat- with Robert Robert Shatner, right? The guy from Ch- Star Trek. Bill Shatner, Bill William. Bill Shatner. Shatner. I was, yeah. uh, William Shatner. I was going to say Bill Shatner. Well, he goes. By uh, Bill when that too. that creature was tearing up the wing in that yeah, DC yeah, yeah, eight or whatever it was, he was flying in. Terror at twenty thousand feet. I think it was called yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. Man, that was creepy. <laughs> well, you don't know. You All don't right, know. our last email comes in. Um, from Nigel in the UK. And he says, Dear WJ and KJ, love the podcast. Even though we don't have any hopes of seeing the hairy man here in the UK, other than Boris Johnson and his wild hairdo, that is. (laughs) (laughs) I am fascinated with how many accounts that you cover that somehow involve law enforcement. My favorite is the account from Whitehall, New York. Mm -hmm. And of course, here in the UK, it is hard to believe that there are as many areas in New York where you could see a Bigfoot. But then Mm -hmm. again, I've never been there. Mm -hmm. Well, back to how many sightings have law enforcement involvement. There must be many, many, many more based on the fact that only a fraction of law enforcement would come forward and report these items. Keep up the great work, Nigel. 
You know, Nigel, I think it speaks volumes about the nature of somebody who's in public service as a law enforcement officer. They almost, a lot of these guys to me feel like they have an obligation to tell you the truth as they see it when they know something is being, uh, is contentious. And then they, they're dragging it around, they're dragging it around, and then they just, they just have to say, like, I saw what happened. It's like my duty, right, Kev? Yeah. When you're a Boy Scout, I swear to solemnly tell the truth. You know, I, I will do my no, best. No, but they're to still afraid of the repercussions. Like, I'm with Nigel. Like, there's yeah. got to be a lot more witnesses yeah. based on, you know, the non-statistical sampling of, I don't know, what is it, 10% or something like that of the accounts we cover somehow mm-hmm. have some type of authority figure that comes forward and talks mm-hmm. about it, whether it's Teddy Roosevelt or uh, the two police officers in Whitehall, New York, that Nigel talked yeah. about. Yeah, I, I always found the uh, trooper story yeah. uh you remember the one I relayed about the trooper who stepped out of his car to take care of business hiding next yeah. to that granite wall? Yeah. And that thing came out from behind it. Wow. I mean, I'm surprised he was able to stand his feet. Yeah. <laughs> think about that happening. I mean, no, I don't know crazy. what you think about yourself as a man or whatever, a woman. If that happened to you, man, you'd be hard-pressed to stand your ground. <laughs> no doubt about that. Wow. And then, Nigel, the last point in your letter, you talked about New York. You know, it's hard for you to imagine it being that rural. Even though I was born in New York on Long Island, where my brother is now, um, I was the same way. But this past summer, I drove up, passing through, going up to New Hampshire and Maine, and we stopped in Whitehall, New York, my wife and I specifically because of the Bigfoot sightings there. And Whitehall is a really quiet place. And, you know, it's right up on the border of Vermont, just south of Lake Champlain, home of Champ, Champy the sea monster. But, you know, in all seriousness, when we were driving along those fields there with the sun setting next to the woods, the forest, I was like, man, you definitely could see the hairy man here. Very rural, and no other cars or anything. Yeah, it would be a potluck shot at best to have that happen to you or anybody. Oh else. yeah, but I mean, I mean, in terms of how rural it is. Yeah, definitely Just like rural. Finding enough. a needle in a haystack, Kev. Yeah. Right, but I mean, it's definitely sure. rural enough to imagine the creature being there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's it, Bill. Wow. That's it this week. Um, good podcast, great accounts, great listener mail, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think uh, we're making some progress. I'm, I'm excited about, you know, the further sightings that are going to come forward, either from under the oceans, under the seas, in the forests, or up in the skies as well. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. And by the way, folks... If you should find yourself wandering around in Whitehall, maybe having the unlucky opportunity to be changing a flat tire in the dark, I will recommend one thing. 
always carried more gun than you think you're gonna need. Sleep tight. <laughs>